I praise the Lord for that. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four. I, I thank the Lord as a pastor. It blesses my heart that so many gifted people use their gifts for the Lord, for all the singers we have in the church that minister in other places, and, and Brother Gary and, and uh, LaVon. This morning, LaVon is preaching at Friendship Baptist Church again, uh, filling in for them, and Brother Brad, um, I can't remember the name of the place, but he's filling in. Uh, some of you remember that some time back there was a pastor who died suddenly, a relatively young man, and he passed away. I think it's on now, brother. I may have flipped it the wrong way. You may have had it on earlier. Thank you, brother Joe Barry. But um, at any rate, Brad's filling in there. Actually, he's going to fill in for the rest of the month for Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. And I remember when God called me to preach shortly after that, uh, I was at my home church, Calvary Baptist in Roanoke Rapids, and then uh, they asked me after a few months, a pastor did in church, if I could serve as assistant pastor there. Didn't have any kind of experience, didn't know anything, just knew the Lord. And uh, so I started. But just a month or two after I'd been serving there, uh, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Littleton, North Carolina, had to have a kidney transplant. And so they were checking around different other churches in the area, see if there was anybody could help. And uh, my pastor asked me would I consider going up there and preaching uh, for them, and first of all, to see if they would be interested in me coming. I mean, I just start now. And uh, but anyway, so they for some reason or other liked me, and so I was assistant pastor of my church. But I served as interim pastor up there for I forget maybe two three months. Brother Irby Mangren had to have a kidney transplant, the pastor, and and so I filled in for them. And, uh, but I thank the Lord that Brad's able to do that. You continue to pray about uh, his life and his ministry and what God's got for him and for us together. In your Bible, please, I want to do this. I'll get you out right on time. I know you used to get out. Actually, Bill finished a little bit early last week, which, which kind of surprised me, but it was a blessing. I thank God for Brother Bill. Notice in chapter 4 of, of Matthew and uh, verse number 18, and I want to read this to you. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I want us to pray together first, and then I'm going to share some things with you from my heart. Father, I want to thank you for the blessed privilege of being here. Thank you for Brother Danny leading the singing. Lord, I thank you so much for Jennifer playing this morning. And God, I thank you for the special music. Lord, I thank you for Angie and, and Jansen and their family. And God, I, I praise the Lord for John and all the family there. And I, I pray, God, you continue to bless them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Gemma and for Madison, for all the family. God, watch over and care for them as they make the move back to Chattanooga. And I pray, God, that you'd bless them. And God, I pray, God, for Black Creek. Thank you so much for them. And God, for the anointing of God on them. Lord, I ask now the Holy Ghost of God would speak to my heart, to the heart of our friends here. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Two Sundays ago, I preached a message to you about the feeding of the 5,000. You remember the story. They were there. The Lord had been teaching. The disciples said, send them away. And uh, he said, we're going to feed them. 
Now, he said, in one place, he says, uh, now, how are you going to feed them? They said, we don't know. We don't have anything. We've got uh, two little fishes and five loaves of bread, and uh, we don't know how to do it. But the Bible goes on and says, but he knew what he was going to do. And so the truth of the matter is, in any situation you're in, God knows what he's going to do. And when it's all said and done, he's the one who's going to do it. He doesn't call you to do anything that, that you've got to do in your own power, your own ability. He's going to do it. But our part is that we would allow him, uh, yield to him to be used of God. Now, I was thinking back and I'm tying the two together and uh, about calling them to be fishers of men. I wonder why I get to thinking about the story. There were two fish and five loaves of bread. Could have been three fish. Could have been four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Why two? Why was that just happenstance or did God orchestrate every bit of that? The number two in the Bible is the number of testimony, the number of testimony. And the number five in the Bible is the number of grace. There were five loaves of bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life and we're saved by grace through faith. And he gives us everlasting life because of his broken body at the Lord's Supper, that broken body, and because we can have everlasting life. So the five speaks of his grace, his broken body, and his redemptive work for us on the cross. But the number two is the number of testimony. And when you think about numbers being significant in the Bible. I've kind of touched on that a little bit, and I don't know all there is to know about it for sure, but I do know the number one is the number for God. Number two is the number of testimony. The Bible says in the mouth of two witnesses it shall be established. That's the number of testimony. Number three is the number of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so right between God and right between the work of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is testimony. You can't testify without God being before you and behind you and all over you. But if God's there, He'll make us a blessing. If God's there, He'll make us a testimony. Now, I want us to look at this passage of Scripture this morning and three little points and a few points under them, and we'll be through. I want you to notice in this passage the, the, the mission of the Master and then the mandate of the Master, and then we're going to look at the miracle of the Master. Notice in this passage of Scripture that Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They were going to follow his example. They were going to follow his life and watch him. What was his life? I, Brother Mitchell has a phrase where he says he's all about this and, or somebody's all about that. And I love that. First time I ever heard it, I said, I like that. That means somebody's got a passion. They got a, they got a, a burden. Their life is all about this. And his life was all about one thing. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Ultimately, he'd suffer and bleed and die. He'd give, ever, he'd give us everlasting life through his shed blood. I did not come to live, he said. I came to die to give my life a ransom. And so his mission was to reach men and women, boys and girls, so they could live forever. He looked over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. And he said, you will not come to me that you might have life. He's the life giver. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. He wants to have all your sins forgiven. He wants you to live in heaven. That's what he's all about. That's the mission of the master. He said, I, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he's saying to them now, notice the mandate. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Now, I, I, I got to look into that. They're going to become something they are not now. They are men in a physical sense. These ones that I'm reading about were actually commercial fishermen. Now, 
Brother Danny is, Wood is a first class. Terry's not here this morning, but he's first class. Tony, they are, they are tournament level fishermen. I'm, I'm a go and fish with anything I can fish with and catch anything that'll bite. I don't care if I catch a goggle eye or a brim or whatever. I just love to do it. And, and I believe Brother Danny, if, if Joey would let him, he'd be a professional fisherman. But what he's talking about here is not recreational fishermen. He's not talking about people who try to go fishing on Tuesdays or Saturdays. He's talking about the lifestyle. He's talking about people whose whole life is wrapped up in one thing, fishing. I will make you fishers of men. They're going to become fishers. They, they're, going to, they, they're not going to go fishing occasionally. It's not going to be recreational. It's not going to be a part-time thing. Their whole life is going to be from now on about reaching men and women, boys and girls with the gospel. Now, they had a unique call on them as disciples. He had a lot of followers. If you look at it one place, he talks about all of those that followed him, but he chose 12 to be his disciples. But all of them have the same commission. The disciples had a special calling, but they all had the same commission, just like me and you. God saved us. He called us to salvation. He called us to serve wherever we're serving at, whether you're a housewife or you're, you're a farmer or a banker or, or whatever you are. God's got you in that particular vocation. But your life is to be as a fisher. Your whole life as a believer is to be burdened and concerned about people and family around you that they know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And so consequently, that's what you think about. You're thinking about how to witness to a coworker. You're thinking about how to bless your family, how to lead them to Christ. You've got a compassion, a burden, and an obsession inside of you about that. And he said, I'm going to make you to become that, something you're not. And you can't do it on your own. I can't make myself a fisher. You can't make yourself a fisher, but that's what God wants us to do. And it only comes by following him. And so we, the emphasis this month is bringing them in. Go, go out and catch them. Now, I, 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 sometimes I go and I catch a few. Sometimes I go and, and catch a, a, a good bit. But it, it's not about the numbers, but it's about the going. It's about the mission. And so he gave them a mission. I'm going to make you become fishers of men. Now, I, I, let's think about this. What did he say to us? Go into all the world and, and care the gospel. And he said in, in about on the day of Pentecost, he said, and, and he said that he would give us power and that we would become witnesses. Not that we just would witness occasionally, but that would be our life. And your life is a testimony. You can't get away from it. You're either a positive testimony or a negative testimony for Christ. God wants you to be a positive testimony. And you become a positive testimony by following closely to him. Now, think about this. What about fishermen? I've always admired people who fish. And if you ever watch the deadliest catch and all, you got a new appreciation for paying high dollar for crab legs. It's, it's worth it if you have to pay a little bit extra to get those king crab legs if you know where to come from. If you know there's people that leave, leave out way before daylight, go out into the storm and fish when it's so cold, the ice is freezing all over your lines and all over the boat and everything. Seas are tossing, soaking you and soaking the ship and just catching those, those king crab. There's a lot to it. It's expensive to get them. And so consequently, it costs a little more to get them. But I have an admiration for them. Now you think about it. 
You can go anywhere in this nation and eat seafood. Somebody called it. I mean, you, you think about it. It's been going on. I, I'm, I'm fixing to be 74 years old. And as long as I can remember, you can go about anywhere you want to and eat fish or flounder or shrimp. But somebody called it. Somebody's given their life to that. And my dear friend, there are people before me and you whose entire life was given to preaching the gospel, living the gospel. I'm talking about godly mamas who read the Bible to their children and prayed and they were witness to their children and a witness to other people in the community. They were faithful to go to the house of God. They were faithful to pray, to teach Sunday school and vacation Bible school. And they were fishers of men. There were good men who worked and plowed long days all day long, but at night they'd read their Bible by oil lamp and they prayed for their family and they prayed for their neighbors and they lived a life to consequently to be a testimony for Christ. They were fishers of men. Their life was consumed by it. If you become a fisherman, if you become a fisher of men, number one, you will have an inbred desire to be a fisherman. There's something inside of you there's so people say, I don't like fishing, but some people do. Some of us do like it. It's something inside of us. It, it, it's not necessarily just the boat or the weather or whatever, not even the fishing experience or the catching of the fish, but there's just something in you that makes you want to go. And when you got saved by the grace of God, not only did the divine nature of Christ come into you, the person of the Holy Spirit of God, to cause you to want to live holy and live right for Him, that, but came inside of you the same passion He is that not any should perish. Inside of you. And the closer you follow to Him, the more, more in depth and defined that passion will become. I want to be a witness for Christ. I want to, I want to live my life. I want to live in such a way that I could be a witness to everybody. I want to be a fisher of men and women. Thinking about it all the time, that's what I, I want to do. There's only two things that makes me want to go fishing. That is when I go and I don't catch them, and when I go and when I do catch them. If I go and I don't catch them, I want to go back. If I go and catch them, I want to go back. So consequently, I don't care when I go or how I go, I always want to go back. And there's always something inside of the believer. We, I, I'm a terrible failure at witness. I, I, I don't do all, and I think about wasted years, a wasted time, and, and all those things. But way down deep in my soul, there is a burning desire to see men and women, boys and girls be saved. And it didn't come from me. It came from him. He put it inside of me. But the, these men who are real fishers, who are fishers, in the real, they realize the importance of the of the take care of their equipment, preparation for their equipment. I didn't read other scriptures, but other scriptures said that when he saw them, that here it says they were casting. Another place it says they were washing their nets. Another place it said they were bending their nets. And just about all the time, fishermen are doing these things. I'm talking about commercial fishermen. They're either casting the net, they're repairing their net, or they're washing their net. And if you are a real fisher of men, that's your life. You're either casting the net, sharing the gospel, sharing the witness, or you're in a repair mode. There's times that your prayer life is broken. There's times that your compassion has cooled. There's time that your zeal for the Lord has gotten low. There's time that you've allowed the world to come in and dull your senses spiritually. And it's time then for you to confess your sin. That's what he said in Psalms 23 when David said, He restoreth my soul. There's time for revival. 
That's that mending process. That's, that's getting you back in tune with God. That's the repairing of the net that you, you, you're getting right with God. You've got a burden for souls. You're filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Your prayer life is vital. And, and you, you want to do something for God. And every, you, you, every one of us have those times and seasons we have to go through. He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Restoration. But they're not only mending their nets, they're washing their nets. It's imperative that they kept them clean, that they washed them. And my dear friend, you can't be a witness for Christ if you're not clean. If, if you live in a life that's not what it ought to be, it's not clean. Now, I'm not throwing stones or anything, but whenever God got a hold of my heart and I began to really get active and faithful, got right with God, and then eventually God called me to preach. I was working in the cotton mill. Worked in the cotton mill my senior year of high school. And I, I, man, I got a burden for people and I got to witness everybody at the mill and this one guy there named Calvin White. And I was trying to win Calvin to the Lord. He was a good fellow. He just wasn't saved. And I kept witnessing to him. But at the break room, I, 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 I used to sit around and I got to where I just read my Bible. But the break room's where also you go to smoke. And I, I had a cigarette pack in my pocket. And I was witnessing Calvin, talked to him one day, and he said, Brother Ben, now you said that God's give you a peace and God satisfy your every longing and, and you find your perfect peace and joy and everything you need in him. I said, right. He said, why are you still smoking? I couldn't say it was because of my health. I couldn't say it was because of my nerve if he gave me perfect peace. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't say uh, that, that, that uh, I didn't have an answer. Why was I doing that? I know it wasn't good for me. I, and I didn't have to do it to calm my nerves. And so you know what God did? I, I took the cigarettes out and I put a New Testament in there. And then every time I had to reach for a cigarette, I'd hit that New Testament. I'd take it out and read a verse. I, I, I'm not picking on folks that may smoke. But I'm just saying there's a lot of things get in your life that you get dirty. You, you're not where you ought to be. He said in the book of Ephesians in chapter number 5, and he said this, that you're clean through the washing of the water of the Word. The Word of God will wash you, keep you clean. You stay in that book. They know, a real fisherman understands the importance of keeping your nets mended, repaired, and right with God. Washed, and then casting. you got to keep fishing. Keep fishing. You don't catch 107 bass by casting every now and then. You just keep casting every stump, every tree stop, every, every, every fallen tree, uh, running water, steel water. You, you just keep looking for them. You keep casting. The more you cast, the more likely you catch some. And same way with sharing the gospel, preach the gospel. He said to every creature, as long as those people not heard the gospel, we got a job to do. Every creature. Third thing, these fishermen had to know something about the nature of the fish. They knew. Most of you fellows who fish a little bit, you know the nature of, of brim. You know about where they want to hang out at, what they like to eat. You know about the habits and the nature of bass. You know about catfish. They like to bottom feed and feed a lot at night and all those type of things. And so it is if a real person, if they're following close to Christ, they have to learn something about, the, they'll learn something about the nature of a lost person. And, and, it, and nothing will offend you. I had people talk to me one time, and they said, Preacher, won't you go over and witness to my, my husband? Now, Preacher, I hate to say this, but he's got a foul mouth. He may cuss you out. I said, that's all right. That's what I expect out of lost people. I expect for them to cuss me out. It's the Christians that cuss me out that makes me, that bothers me. 
But I know something about the nature of lost people. I know they're blind. They can't see it. And so I don't feel hard at them because they don't trust Christ. I have a burden for them that don't trust Christ. I, I, don't, I don't feel hard at them because they do this, that, or the other. You got to learn something about the nature of who you're dealing with. You understand that people who are lost, they're lost. And they give that fruit that is in their life is because they're lost. And you got to know something about the nature of people. God knew everybody. And, and when you look at the Lord dealing with people, He dealt with every one of them a little bit differently. He knew something about that. He knew something about their nature. And then a, a good fisherman learns that you have to adjust your tactics according to the water and the wind and the season. And you, you, they're just things. You just have to adjust just you, about what's going on. You, you, you have to, if it's muddy water, you want to use this color bait. If it's clear water, you use this color bait. If, if it's cold weather and they pull it off the bank and gone in the deep, you got to hunt them in deep water. And if it's hot weather, they'll go deep. If they're bedding, they're going to be up around right at the bank. And you need to learn about lost sinners. And if, you, if you've got a heart, there's some people you, could, you can just sense, you can just go right, boom, right to the straight, right off the bat and just give them the gospel. You can sense that God's already dealing with it. There's some people you know that if you say certain words, they're going to turn off and walk away from you. And so you, you don't compromise the gospel, but you learn how to handle the situation. You learn what to say and how to say it. You, you learn how to share the Word of God and how far to go because you're interested in their soul. You want to say, oh, Jesse Norris was talking one time. He's talking about soul winning. And, and uh, to, he said, people want to take a big old black Bible. He said, you do what you want to. He said, but if you're going to go soul winning, you're going to visit somebody's house. He said, get your New Testament. Get your gospel. Or either ask them to use their Bible. He said, because you don't want to run a squirrel in a hole before you can shoot him. You think about that. That's old time theology. But you don't want to run them in a hole before you get a chance to shoot them. And to do that, you've got to understand something about the nature of sin. But you've got to also learn how to adjust to the climate, to the water color, to the wind, to the barometric pressure. You've got to learn how to change. And sometimes we get locked in and we say, this is the way it's got to be done. That ain't, that ain't the way it's got to be done. Sometimes you have adjustment. The message must not ever change. It is the gospel. But sometimes methods change. You have to adjust to the nature of the fish and to the climate and environment around them. You've got to do all that. And then these fishermen understood one thing about it. They were not recreational fishermen. They may love that lifestyle, but it is hard work. In two passages they said this, we have toiled all night. They knew it was work. And I'll tell you right now, if you live for God, if you're going to be a witness for Christ, it's work. You're going to have to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil all the time. But you, he said, you'll reap if you don't faint. People tend to faint because it's not easy. You, you, it's, they tend to faint because the, the wickedness in the land. They tend to faint because people are not receptive or they get somebody says something to them. But my dear friend, a real fisherman, he will not let anything keep him from fishing. 
They got to do it. And it's work. They know it's work to keep your nets washed, to keep your nets mended, to keep the boat in order, to fight the current, fight the waves, fight the wind, fight the storm, and have to try to find the fish. And whole process is nothing but work. My dear friend, you understand this. The workman's worthy of his hire. And he said we're to be laborers together with Christ. You and I, my dear friend, this is not easy. If it was, everybody do it. But we have to have a burden for souls. And if we're going to reach anybody, we, you can't be just the preacher or the staff or somebody. Everybody in here needs to become recognized, become fishers of men, have a burden. You can reach people I could never reach. Gemma can reach people that none of us could reach. All these teenagers, they can relate. They, can, they, 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 know, how to minute, they know how to reach teenagers. You senior saints, you know how to reach folk. And, and every one of us have a mission. Every one of us put to be fishers of men. But now quickly let me give you this. And I know I'm going to run out of time. I can see it right now. I want to talk about the miracle of the master. Turn over to Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5. There are two occasions very similar. Notice in this particular one in Luke chapter 5 verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fish were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered in one of the ships, which was Simon's, and, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will, let, we, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and that their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, uh, so that they began to sink. Man, that's a lot of fish. A lot of fish. And my, I'll leave off the reading there, but he says in verse 10, jump down. And he said unto James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, for henceforth thou shalt catch men. They were going to be fishers. But here's the miracle of the master. There's nothing wrong with them fishing at night. Matter of fact, when I was in the Philippines, early in the morning, every morning there where we stayed, we stayed right on the... the um, Whatever that sea, South Sea, in it, Tim. I think it's anyhow stayed right on that sea, and I'd get up and and I saw these long little boats. They had the uh, the thing off to the side of them, but those those guys had been out all night long fishing. They 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 fish at night because you know you you don't have the sun to cast a shadow and, and, and the water is is darker, and so they don't pick up on the net as easy. So on. that's their thinking anyway. And it's extremely hot during the day. There's a reason they fish at night. Nothing wrong with that. And so Jesus took them back out at the wrong time of the day, in the worst circumstances, and said, "Cast out your net." And he said, to, "He said, Master, we've toiled all night long, caught but at Thy word." Now, what we learn about this miracle? What do you learn from this miracle? Number one, He's the one who determines where you fish. He determines the place. He determines the time. He determines the circumstance. He determines the lure. And if you'll follow him, 
and he'll have you at the right place at the right time with the right word to share Christ with somebody. That's the miracle. And if they, by yourself, what can you do? Nothing. They toiled all night and caught nothing. But he said this, at thy word. That's the key there. Turn over, if you will, to another passage of Scripture, John chapter 21. And I'm rushing to get these few thoughts in for you. Notice in, in John chapter number 21, and look at verse number 3. He said, at thy word. We're going we're to believe God and you won't have any fruit. You won't see anything happen if you don't trust God and go when He wants you to go, do what you, He wants you to do, say what He wants you to say at His word. Chapter 21. This is after His death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 3. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. And they said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Now, Back, they, they didn't learn anything much, did they? They gone back. Peter, somebody says, what this is really saying, he's so discouraged because the master's died and was buried that he's going to go back to his old way of life. Start fishing for fish instead of fishing for men. But here God's going to remind them in a unique way what he called them to do. Look at verse 4. And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children... Have you any meat? Did you catch any? And they answered, no. That's the hardest word in the world for a fisherman to say. Did you catch any? No. You know what they'll say? Boy, I had some good strikes. I lost a big one. Boy, you, it, man, it, you can't, it's like pulling eye teeth to get a, preacher, a, a fisherman and say, no, I didn't catch nothing. I didn't have a bite. I didn't have nothing to look at it. Didn't have nothing to chase it. No. They are admitting that in their self they cannot do it. No. No question about it. Not if, if he didn't make excuses. He didn't say tomorrow I'll catch them or next week I'll catch them and, and, and this, that, and the other. He said, no. You know what he's saying? Lord, I, I remember back of my mind, I can't do it without you. No. What's what happens? And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship. They're sitting there. They've already given up. Cast your net on the right side, and you shall find. And they, they therefore, excuse me, they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw in the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. And, and when Simon, Peter, heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat up, up, unto him, for he was naked, means he's just had on his loincloth, and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came, and the little ships, they, they were not far from, uh, from land, but it was at 200 cubics, about 300 feet offshore, about a football field offshore, and they dragged the net with the fish. And as soon as they would come to the land, they saw a fire of coals thereon, and fish were thereon, bread and bread, fish and bread, fish and bread again. And Jesus said unto them, Bring the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon went and drew the net, and it was full of great fishes. Watch this, had a hundred and fifty-three. For all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. 153. Now, 
if, if somebody asked me, and Brother Dan and I had a conversation this morning, he said, guess how many we caught? He, he couldn't wait to tell me. I, I, he told me a lot more than I thought, and I know he's a good fisherman, but I, I was very much impressed. They counted them. Uh, they toured all night and caught nothing. They, they, they brought all these fish in. The net didn't break, and they got 153 of them, but they counted every one of them. They didn't say, man, we caught more we can hold. We, we caught enough to fill up two ships. They counted them. There's 153 of them. What does that mean to you? It meant to me that every one of them had value. It wasn't just a big group of fish. It wasn't just a bunch of fish, not a boatload of fish, not a net full of fish. But they counted them every one. And I'll tell you right now, he said, there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. Every one of them. But more than that, why 153? Why? Well, there are three or four different reasons I'll give it to you just quickly. One is this thought, and that is that every Greek word has a number value. And you can take you take the number value of this 153. That's the number value of a word in the Greek. And what does it mean, wisdom? It means wisdom. And some people say it means abundance. But the Bible said He is the all-knowing God, which means He knows everything, which is an abundance. He knows everything. It means wisdom. Now, Jesus said that the Jews seek a sign. They, they are seeking a sign, and the Greeks seek wisdom. And so here you've got both. He's got both of them. He's got a sign which means a miracle, and then he's, he's got wisdom. The 53 speaks of wisdom. They didn't know how to do it, but he's all-knowing. He knew how to do it. Also, they, they say that it speaks of the nations, that there were 153 known nations, and that the gospel is for every nation, every tongue, every kindred. And he's saying to these men, you're going to become fishers of men in Jude in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the world. The gospel is going to all the world. 153 nations. He's given them that word picture. And then I found something very unique. If you, if you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are times that were a great multitude here, a great multitude there. But on, a, on certain occasions, there's a certain occasion, and he, he speaks directly to somebody or directly touch somebody, and those are recorded in the Scriptures as well. For instance, in the, in the book of Matthew, there are 23 different occasions when he had a personal contact with an individual or group of people, and there were, 140, uh, there were 47 people that were either healed or blessed or saved. In the book of Mark, there, he records three occasions when he went, met with individuals, and there were three people that were either touched, healed, or saved. In Luke chapter 4, there are, Luke, there are 14 occasions when he ministers to people in a personal direct way, and it's recorded in the Scriptures. And there were 94 people. In one occasion, there was a 70 at one time, and thus the number's high. And in John, there were eight occasions that he ministered to people directly and touched them directly, spoke to them directly, and they were healed, saved, or whatever. And there were nine. That's the four Gospels. When he dealt with people individually, it's recorded in the Scriptures that he either touched them or healed them or they responded in faith to him as he dealt with them. 
you ain't gonna believe this, God wrote this book. On this occasion, they catch 153 fish. If you go back and look at these occasions when he dealt with individuals, Matthew, there were 47. Mark, there were three. Luke, there were 94. John, there were nine. You want to guess what that totals up to be? 153. Thinking about his life and ministry, he individually, multitudes, yes. Without number, yes. But they're actually recording of him personally talking to, dealing with somebody who got either healed, touched, or saved. 53 of them. And now 53 fish. Because they're people. It's not just a number. It's people. It represents the whole world. We're part of that world. The influx of people around here, the thousands of people around here. Listen, COVID stopped just about everything. But it must not stop the fishing. It must not stop the reaching souls for Christ. And he said, if we'll go where he wants us to go, do what he wants us to do, we'll see the results and people will be saved. Now, what's all this about? I'm through right now. You're in chapter, maybe you held your place in John chapter 21, this last place I'm reading to you. Look back now in chapter 20. You don't even have to turn the page. Just look back to verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. I mean, there's... There's more, more signs, there's more miracles than just this one or just the feeding of the 5,000, but he did it in their presence. But these were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life eternal. What's he all about? What's this whole story, all this fishing business about is that people might believe and be saved and go to heaven because he's not willing that any should perish. My life, the life of this church, the life of every individual in this church ought to be all about trying to be a blessing, trying to win folk to Christ, men and women, boys and girls, taking every opportunity in every way and become fishers of men. It's where we, that's on our, it's in our mind, it's on our heart, not just in revival, not just during special emphasis, but we have a lifestyle of a fisher. Let's bow together for prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes are closed, Father, I pray God the Holy Ghost now make real to your people here in the building and in the vast internet audience the truth of the Word of God. Our Father, we are to follow you. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're followers, we'll become fishers. We'll be always thinking, always looking. We always want to share Christ in some way some testimony, some kind word to people who are hurting, a prayer offered quietly without putting on a show, but somebody whose heart is breaking even in public places, a simple word of telling somebody that Jesus loves them and died for them, expressing the love of Christ in our words, actions, and deeds. But we always got on our mind that whoever's around me it's going to live in heaven or hell forever. I want to be a good follower. I want to be where you want me to be. Do what you want me to do and say what you want me to say. I leave all the results to you. But God, I do want to be faithful in these last days. And God, I pray the same for your people. While we have our heads bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. 
Miss Jennifer's just going to play something here for a few moments this morning. While you have your heads bowed in the building, I wonder if there's a man or woman, a boy or girl in here who said, why, why did God do all this? Why did the Lord do all this about the miracles, about the miracle of catching the fish and so on? These signs were done that you might believe that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, and that believing you might have everlasting life. His, he's all about seeing you saved. I want you to note that he took the initiative. He came, he suffered, he died, he was buried, he rose again. He sent the Holy Ghost to God. He gave the Bible because he wants you to be in heaven and not in hell. If you're here in the building this morning, you said, Brother Bill, if I died right now, I don't know I'd go to heaven but I do want to know for sure. I do want to be able to believe and believe in I might have everlasting life. And pastor, would you pray for me? While no one's looking, would you raise your hand across the building, men and women, boys and girls, anybody here like that this morning? Anybody, anybody. If you die right now, you don't know you'd go to heaven. You can know it. Believe in on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have everlasting life. How many of you say this morning, Brother Billy, I want to be a fisher. I know it happens by following closely to him. I do have a deep down desire to be a witness for Christ. I may not be a good witness. I know I failed him many times. But I want to redeem the time. I want in the, la in, the, in the last time, these last days, whatever time I've got left, as I continue in my current occupation, as I and continue my outdoor activities and whatever. I want to be a fish. I want to have a consciousness of the lostness of men, women, boys, and girls. And I want to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to minister through me. I want to be a fisher of men. I want to be a witness for Christ. We give lead results to Him, but we'll sow the seed. Some will water, but God will give the increase. You say, Brother Billy, I'm, I'm right now before God going to say, Lord, I want to be a fisher. God help me to be a witness for Christ. Now, if you say that to him this morning, would you raise your hand? We're going to pray together. Let's stand together, will you? If our friends in the internet audience, if you don't know Christ, it's my prayer that you'll be saved. Please contact us here at the church or by the internet or Facebook or whatever. If we can help you in any way. Let's be a witness. So many of our church family are at home this morning, and I know that you've been almost in isolation, but I encourage you to pray, encourage you to try to write cards and letters, make phone calls, be a blessing, be a witness for Christ. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you now for your mercy and grace. I ask God the Holy Ghost, our Father would minister to your people. And our Father, I'd be the first to say that God, I hadn't been a good fisherman, I haven't, I haven't been like you'd want me to be so often, but God, I pray you'd forgive me. And God, help me seven days a week, 24 hours a day, to be conscious of the losses of people around me. And God, give me wisdom, what to say, when to say it, and what to say. And God, make me a witness for Christ. I want to do just exactly what you want me to do. And God, you'll give the increase. God, whether it's a few or if it's a great net full, I'm going to trust you, Lord, to do that. God bless now your people today. Thank you for them. We love them and we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen.